Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions, a premiere fanbite RPG podcast. I am one of your hosts, Miriam Strum, senior managing editor of fanbite.com. John, Imran, and Natalie are all on the International Space Station this week. So I'm joined by, okay, hold on, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. It says, it says, it, uh, the, you, you, your mother fucking. <laughs> uh boy it's it's german no it's german okay sorry it's it's german uh yo you know uh my parents uh my parents were wyland you know Mm, um mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they uh when i was born they're like oh shit it's your motherfucking boy (laughs) and then the nurses are like that's good that's good (laughs) were you born in germany no i wasn't i was born in mississippi so uh, hey say yeah born in the south (laughs) you know what i'm saying uh, so I got a little bit of s- s- Southern in me. Oh, really? Also, I, I uh, did not know that about you. <laughs> me neither. And uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but mostly Southern California bullshit. Uh, and uh, that's that's who I am. And that's uh, how I came into this world. So uh, it's my origin story. Hell yeah. I've never moved out of um, North Dakota in any kind of permanent fashion. Your real name, by the way, or your, I mean. Oh, yeah. We haven't said your my stage real name. name is uh, michael hyam that's me yes it's uh it's been i think it's maybe been i don't think i've been on 99 potions since last year i think too december, fucking long december well i think it was just me andrea and imran i think it was like a post and walker episode I that sounds last, right yeah i think it was like the last time i've been on 99 potions so uh folks may may know me from hit 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 podcasts such as the game informer show yeah giant Bombcast, mm-hmm. game spot after dark I've heard of these. Um, Channel F. Channel F. Yeah. I, yeah. Of all the greats. Of all the greats. I say the best for last. Listen, Channel F is popping. <laughs> Channel F is good. I'm, yes. I'm on that show for now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, God, it is. Um, well, I mean, you, you're back here. to. You're not just a Final Fantasy 14 expert, but you are here to talk to us about some Final Fantasy 14. Or me and you are here to just, I don't know, just sit down and have a one-on-one about Final Fantasy 14, I guess. Yeah, let's have our one back in. Yeah, let's let's have our one-on-one right here. Let's have our one-on-one. Yeah, yeah let's just have our performance review right now, Michael. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, how would you rate yourself on these numbers? One through five. Ten out of ten. Also, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, one through five. Yeah, still ten out of ten. Still a ten out of ten. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, like Final Fantasy fourteen that's been going through some shit. We're kind of like on the cusp of 6.2. The .2 patches are usually like the real big, the kind of the beginning of some beefy stuff in mm-hmm. uh, post-expansion, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, we got Island Sanctuary coming. Yes. 
we got more raids coming. Yes. We got Unreal trial shit or whatever it's called that I'm never going to touch. Oh, yes. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, I guess this is a good time to have me on talk about Final Fantasy 14 because uh, patch 6.2. I feel like I've been talking about patch 6.2 for the past four months because I have been for the past four <laughs> months. Uh, it's it's a it's a huge update. I mean, like all I mean, folks who don't play, you know, every live service game has big seasonal updates and content drops. Well, uh, a patch, quote unquote patch, as they call it uh, in the world of Final Fantasy 14 is more like, hey, here's uh, a free. Oh, I don't know. It's a free update if you subscribe, yeah. of course, because uh, mm-hmm. you have to subscribe to play this MMORPG. But here we're going to drop a whole shit ton of content on you. And it's probably the most exciting uh, the game has been since since Endwalker. 6.1 was popping. Don't get me wrong. It was good. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, but it, it was also kind of like, hey, let's we need to come down from the 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 high that was Endwalker. So kind of ease you into this next era of Final Fantasy 14. But 6.2, like from if you watch the trailer for this thing. Like this, it ain't fucking around. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot of exciting stuff. And I guess the first thing I'll bring up is Island Sanctuary because it feels like I think this was first mentioned at FanFest in February or was it February or April, I think, of last year uh, before Endwalker, of course. And uh, now Kiyoshida was out here talking about how like, yo, this is like a Harvest Moon style game mode within Final Fantasy 14. And I think a lot of people's brains fired off like, oh, yo, holy shit. I got to take care of a farm and raise animals and grow crops and to have my own island. And that's exactly what it is. So the last live letter, the live letter from last week, he actually was playing it on stream. So we got to see a live gameplay demo of what Island Sanctuary actually is. And it's at least to me, it is exactly what I thought it was. Where you, <laughs> it's an island sanctuary, and you, it has its own uh, gameplay systems and mechanics that are separate from the rest of the game. So you don't need to be, uh, you don't have, you need, you don't have to have any experience in crafting or gathering. But yeah, on that island, you are doing crafting and gathering, and so like you have different tools, and you switch different kind of build modes. So you have like a mode you you click one in your UI, you clicks like, oh, I'm gonna build stuff now, or I'm going to herd animals or i'm going to take care of my crops or i'm just gonna walk around the rest of the island um so yeah and there's like a whole progression path there's npcs that kind of guide you through the thing and you level up you have a sanctuary level and then you get you know you can create better tools you can make more advanced buildings uh have a more advanced operation on your island have assigned npcs you earn a specific type of script so that's it has its own currency and you can craft like handicrafts and sell them on the market and there's a, like a whole economy that goes along with it so it's uh it's a i think this is probably at least since i've been playing the most different piece of new content that i've seen added to the game because like you always like you always get raids you always get new dungeons yeah. and all that stuff is like obviously like very exciting get new side quests all sort of stuff like tribal quests uh, always there's no shortage of new content whenever uh, an update rolls around but i think this is you know i think this is probably well actually since uh, i think baja uh i would say is probably the most ambitious piece of con- new content that i engaged with since playing the game but i think like this is this is really cool because i think it adds a new layer to the game where hey you know it's not combat based you don't have to like 
if you go into a, a critical engagement in Baja, it's pretty like stressful because that that shit is can be very hard. And it's there's like a, a mini lot. raid sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's gonna be really hard. But the you know, island sanctuary is like I'm gonna get away from all of that and just chill and you know build out my own island. Like every player gets their own instance island. You don't have to share it with anybody. Um, so yeah, it, it really feels like that relaxing piece <clears throat> of content where you're like, there's still something really engaging to do, or at least it seems. Uh, but you know, you don't have to be subjected to the stresses of weighing down your party and things like that. So, um, yeah. And, and like Natalie's been talking about for a while and I just, well, the whole player base has been like, yo, let's like, we can't wait for it. Like, wh- wh- where's it at? And it's right around the corner and yeah. I, I my personal like conspiracy theory with this the whole thing was that they had originally planned this to be a very much smaller thing and people lost their fucking minds and they're like <laughs> ah we got to blow this up a little bit more and, yeah, and they yeah. and that's why we haven't seen hide nor hair of it for so long uh, yeah. until it's like boom here it is um and that's awesome because I've not watched this live letter but I have read a bunch of what you've just written and what Natalie has talked about and all this other stuff and it sounds like practically putting up whole second game inside of the game which yeah. is wild like it sounds like they've added rune factory to Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> yeah. or something like that yeah that's 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 quite accurate i would say are, are you like are you you're caught up on everything right yeah i'm caught up on pretty much everything i've got all my crafters are at 90 i'm caught up with all the content story done the done the new raids i've done pretty much everything the only thing i haven't like maxed out in terms of like new content from endwalker is i i haven't like finished um ranking up my beast tribe yet okay yeah or tribal quests now yeah, I think tribal is quests what they're called. as they're called now um yeah sick uh because well you have all your crafters and gatherers leveled up I don't. Uh, you sickos. You and Dylan are some sickos. Uh, uh, yeah, there's 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 a part of the piece of the game I still haven't engaged with. Um, that's how big this game is. But yeah, even if you yeah, if you don't, there even if you don't engage with certain parts of the game, there's still a ton of things uh, to get into. Uh, even with just uh, this new patch, um, yeah, because like new story stuff the new story stuff looks fucking wild if you ask me man like uh the final fantasy 4 references haven't stopped the um there's people are speculating about a there i mean there is a new character teased in the trailer Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out the the nature of who they are like yo we've never seen this character before they're a reaper uh and apparently she looks like one of the OG models of an alternate warrior of light from back in the day. I think like uh-huh. 1.0 uh, Mike wrote a, uh, a short piece on the site about how the community has been speculating about who this is. And I think that's really exciting. And I, I, I mean, I don't want to go into what happens in 6.1 uh, story wise, but it kind of opens up. And I, I, you know, after N Walker, like, where do you go from here? It's like, well, pff, there's, how many alternate shards and realms and universes in the world of Final Fantasy 14? So how about we yeah. go back to one of them? And so you're kind of exploring this new dimension or well, it's not a new dimension, but you're exploring this dimension from that you dabbled in. Yeah. Years they touched years ago. on it in like mostly side content, like the set, like the containment bay 
trials from heaven's word which is like the first expansion so that's years and years and years ago that was yeah. about a lot of like that void world like you know yes. shadowbringers was about a world of light that got fucked over by light there was also a world of darkness that got fucked over by darkness and we haven't really done a ton there yet uh-huh yeah and i think that that's where the story is going and that's an exciting prospect uh and but even like there's just like the new raid the new raid stories look Raid stories are always interesting. Uh, like the eight-player raids. Yeah. And Shadowbreeze, we had the Eden raids where, <sighs> you know. So yeah, you had uh, Reen and her uh, her girlfriend, Gaia. Like, I think that was kind of very cool, very beautiful. And it was like a homage to Final Fantasy VIII in many respects. And this, But this new raid series is completely embedded in 14's lore. And if you played Endwalker, it tells you more about the ancients. And I think that like there's it feels like there's unlimited stories that can be told in that and like that piece of the game and i think the first four raids that were released in uh like 6.01 6.05 uh shortly after the release of Endwalker were pretty interesting the the fights were good yeah for sure yeah it was did, did a lot of establishing like oh here's 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 Themis and here's Erictonios uh these new characters but we kind of know who Themis is um, uh, in terms of like their parallel between their, you know, uh, the Asians, the Asians who we've beat beat the shit out of for many many years. Uh, how about we go back in time and see who they really were before they turned into evil assholes? Yeah, and I think that is that's one of my favorite things about Endwalker. But when Endwalker wrapped up, I was like, damn, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. When I first stepped onto Elpis, I was like. Holy shit. I want this to be the whole rest of the game. Uh, Because I think there's something really striking about, you know, a story where you go back in time where you see characters before the like before you knew them the first time. Like, I think that's a convoluted way of saying it. But uh, it's like, you know, meeting so and so before they turned evil, meeting beating so and so. Before they died and became like a martyr throughout like the lore of Final Fantasy XIV. I think it's just yeah. like a really fascinating um, thing that adds a lot more perspective. And, and like I think N. Walker did a very good job of like flipping the script on you and be like, oh, you thought you knew these characters? Well, check out how they were back in the day. Uh, before they used they to were- be hot. <laughs> Yo, listen. <laughs> Everyone in Final Fantasy XIV is hot because <laughs> all of the ancients were hot. Listen, if they yeah. were like the originators, if they were the like our ancestors in this game, they are all like eight feet tall and fine <laughs> as hell. Listen, <laughs> yo, everyone is hot. The descendants of Hythlodius just like getting laid all over Hades. Oh Amos, yeah. my god, that fool was slaying puss uh, all across Elpis. You already know. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucking wild. Uh, and, and like, yeah, it's to that point, though, you you go through the, the pandemonium rage and like, oh, shit, yo, uh, who I think is OG La Habrea, that dude was hot, too. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, and, he's, uh, a <laughs> he's a dilf. Yo, look at this dude. Uh, man, that fool's uh, you know, that fool looking, look, looking pretty fine. And like Eric Donio, so like, dude, that fool can get it. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm down for more hot ancients in my stories, and I think that so like, but the first four were just like establishing like, oh, here's 
what pandemonium is. There is a this is a, a, a dungeon in, beneath the city that where La Brea does some wild shit. Yeah. Um, and here's also <laughs> speaking of uh, hot, sexy uh, ancients. Here's a vampire dude um, who once he takes off his glasses. Oh, no, he's hot. Because <laughs> he looks like, yo, for the first time you encounter Hesperos, I was like, oh, this fool's kind of a herb. Uh he's kind of a dork he looks like i don't know he looks like a a streamer who's probably said a racial slur to me uh in the chat but (laughs) and then he takes off his glasses like oh shit he's hot and then if you play the savage version he has a second form like Mm -hmm. oh shit he's hot so i'm i mean yeah yeah he goes from a fucking nerd to a fucking like, oh, this is Alucard Castlevania. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like, what is up with you, dude? Why do you not look like this all the time? <laughs> yeah, and then we have to kill your ass. Oh, uh, so you hate to see that. And yeah. but this so this next kind of uh leg of the raid is goes even deeper. And it's from the trailer, at least, it's teasing that we're actually going to get to the nature of what this raid story is about. Yeah. And I mean, I think about Eden, too. Like the first couple of Eden raids were cool, but they didn't really. You know, I was just like learning who Gaia was and. Yeah. The deal like is with Eden. Weird person in a suit of armor shows up and you're like, OK. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was care. it. Yeah, I guess we care about her now. Yeah, um, and then it's like, oh yeah, we do care about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, she shows up with that hammer and breaks uh, Reen out of the ice oh, with God. the like fucking darkness attack. Oh, mm. uh, with the music playing and like mm-hmm. the power of friendship. Um, yeah, it's I ex- you expect that by the end of the raid, you're like, oh shit, this was for reals. Um, so I yeah, kind of kind of looking forward to what's going on with that story there because I do think like uh, at least for this raid you're going to learn more about you know like, like i said earlier like you're gonna learn about characters who you thought you knew and i think that that's just that's really fascinating i do like the kind of crossover stuff and like the guest uh, guest appearances i know that we've had yeah, Eva, yeah. we had what with the alliance raid we had near uh with the alliance raid and shadow bringers yeah um what, what and, you need? what was that what you need oh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> i just got that uh, yeah, you had your own raid series. That's fucking wild. Congrats. Yeah, I think it was really, you know, I did such a good job of crafting and kind of like crashing the market board for everybody because I undercut too too hard that uh, Yoshida was like, please, please stop. We'll give you anything. We'll, give you, we'll put you in a raid. Just stop. Stop killing too hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, the, the guest stuff is cool. But I think there's just I think by the time Shadowbringers wrapped up, I think a lot of the community was also feeling like, hey, there's like a lot of interesting lore and backstory still left over in 14. Yeah. I hope that these, you know, intricate and, you know, raids that have stories dive more into that. And that's exactly what you're getting at Endwalker. I know we don't have a new Alliance raid this patch. That was 6.1. But if you played the Alliance raid from 6.1, like you're getting into the deep end of who the 12 gods of that, that all like all of the different civilizations in final fantasy 14, like pray to. And it's wildly fascinating to come face to face with like these deities who were, well, they are otherworldly beings that you just thought were left to history. And I think you learn a lot about it. kind of provides some recontextualization for Final Fantasy XIV. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited where that ra- that raid is going. If you haven't played it, you should. Um, so gotta and so, that Nalthal music. Oh, my God. It's like one of the best. 
one of the best battle themes straight up um also <laughs> you listen you want to talk about hot characters nalto Mm-hmm. Talk about two hot characters in one. <laughs> oh my god, it was twins. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y- y- y'all want those balls? Listen, <laughs> y'all got those balls. Um, yeah. So there's just there's so much shit coming. Like, obviously, uh, if you go to the site, uh, thelinkshow.com, we have breakdowns of multiple things uh, that are coming to six point two. So it's just. Lots of come. Personally, I'm looking forward to the new raids and Island Sanctuary, of course. And then when 6.25 comes around, which we're expecting in October, we'll have things like Criterion and Variant Dungeons, which are another whole type of new content. And then you'll have new, um, uh, new Beast Tribe or new uh, Tribal Quests. And also, you're going to get new Hildebrand Quests. I yeah. know, I know motherfuckers out there are thirsting for hildebrand quest because i did a hildebrand quest guide and that thing is doing numbers every week so i'm very <laughs> well, happy like, about yeah. that it's weird because it's like one of those very many things in final fantasy 14 where it's like this huge incredibly put together thing like it's really involved but the game barely ever like draws your attention to it it's right? like yeah. you can if there's entire dungeons and trials and raids and stuff or not raids i don't think but like trials and stuff in there that you only unlock by doing hildebrand quests and it's just this like goofy side story about this fucking like fake uh herlock sholmes motherfucker um <laughs> yeah who is like messing around and getting suplexed by his dad over and over again. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, yo, Jimbo showed up. We're like what? Like that motherfucker from final fantasy 10 is here. And he's just like hanging out with me now. Great. <laughs> yeah. So- um, yeah. And to that point that the game never points you in that direction. The game never says nudges you say, Hey, you know, that side quest over there. You know, that's actually like a pretty deep, that goes, that's a pretty deep storyline. Um, and you wouldn't know about it unless someone draw, drew attention to it and you looked up where to find the quests. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, 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 that's fascinating that like 14 has so much legitimately cool content that, uh, you, it, it feels like it sometimes gets just lost in the sauce. And then, um, but I, I, for Hildebrand, I think, I think it's really fascinating that they're, that the 14 team is kind of tying it into relic weapons. And (laughs) Yoshida is out here like, hey, listen, my team put in so much work to make these stupid ass quests. Y'all motherfuckers (laughs) are going to do them, whether you like it or not. Okay, because if you want those relic weapons that everyone loves. And again, I'm looking at the traffic numbers for us. Yeah, people are out here. Trying to get their relic weapons from a realm reborn all the way to the resistance weapons today, or from Shadowbringers, and so like, oh, y'all like relic weapons? Have you heard of Hildebrand? Because if you like <laughs> relic weapons, guess what? You're in for a treat. And if you're skipping cutscenes, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> I know you're gonna you're gonna get jumped. Okay. Straight up, so they they tricked motherfuckers into going to Eureka to get relic weapons, and now they're tricking <laughs> them into doing Hildebrand quests. Yeah. And it's, honestly, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful like way of designing a video game. It's just uh-huh. to be like, if you want the shiny stick, you got to fucking earn it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, we we put so much time and effort into this piece of content, and you're not playing it. Oh, you thought you're, <laughs> you're playing it now? So yeah it's just um that's uh yeah that's 6.25 uh so like an after the fact patch yeah um, yeah 
yeah and uh yeah there's so much other stuff i'm looking forward to what the job changes are i really like what they've done with pvp since 6.1 oh pvp is so fun now yeah i've been playing a ton because i'm trying to get that archfiend armor before it goes away Ooh, we better hurry up yeah i know i'm at rank i'm almost rank 12 it's still rank 25 is what you have to be but i yeah. haven't been like playing like a ton i've just kind of been doing my front lines here and there mm-hmm. um so that's been good but it's also just like I really want that Archfiend armor. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish it was done. Uh, but like because of the way that they completely rebalanced PvP in Final Fantasy XIV, PvP was something I like never fucking touched for like years almost mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. But now I there are parts of PvP where I'm like, there's more personality to each individual job in this game in PvP than there is in the PvE for some of them. Like yeah. the, the way because there's they're so pared down, like they're so just like, no, you have eight skills and that's it uh, which is perfect for playing with a controller especially in the heat of a uh, oh, yeah. of a player versus player battle which is probably why they did it but it's like oh gunbreakers can do the draw injunction system from um final fantasy 8 because they use gunblades which is also from final fantasy 8 so they can do a thing where they like pull the essence out of a rival player and it's like okay you stole the essence of a healer so now you're a better healer tank oh you stole the essence of a dps so now you're a good dps and like that stuff is so cool to me like uh, it's really interesting and it's stuff that i hope that is a test bed for pve in the future for like Mm, developing some of that um personality because like Warriors or not warriors, uh, uh, tanks in particular feel like they are very, very, very similar right now. Most of the t- time, it's like, okay, this one does this one, uh, this thing a little bit differently, but mostly you are building up a bar, you're spending that bar on uh, super move, and then you are going back to doing uh, a three hit melee rotation and then sometimes using shields. And I would love to see, like, oh, what if they did some draw injunction stuff with the gunbreaker in the future um, in PvP where I can be or in PvE where I can, like, draw from a boss in a dungeon based on, like, the move that they used, almost like a blue mage or something like that would be really cool and be able to use different powers. I would love some shit like that. But in the meantime, it's been cool doing crystalline conflict and all that stuff Mm -hmm. in PvP. Yeah, I I put a lot of time. I was surprised by um, how much time I put into PVE when or PVP when it when the first uh, yeah when Crystalline Con- Conflict came out because I I did front lines. I'm like, yo, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh-huh. Oh shit, I forgot to remap my hot bars for this other job I'm playing, and I literally have no skills mapped to it. Uh, which is funny because you wrote about you wrote about this uh, when when six point one just dropped. Uh-huh. You're like, hey, I hopped into PvP. It seems really cool, but I forgot to set my fucking hot bars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, that's funny. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's. I think it, it is also funny that you mentioned that. You know, maybe their experiment, like they can use PvP as an experiment area to experiment. Like, well, the stakes are pretty low. Like P- PvP obviously is is a big deal to them. Um, yeah, but but it's like if they tweak one thing in, in the main game. It has dire consequences for like the entire player base. Totally. Because um, PvP is the optional piece of content after all. And I think a lot about how I think w- when you look back at the kind of progression of the game since Realm Reborn is that it always feels like they're they do their main thing and then they 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 try out new things on the side to then be implemented later on down the line or iterate on. Uh, so I think about that, that. That's a cool thing to bring up, especially as they like, they have 19 jobs in the game and where do they go from here? Yeah. And Yoshi P is basically saying, Hey, 
we're basically going to have to draw ideas from scratch now because we've basically referenced all kinds of jobs from like every job, almost every job except for Reaper is like a reference to a previous, a job in the previous Final Fantasy, which is cool. But he's like, yo, we got to the point where we've exhausted a lot of those uh, things. So we're going to be drawing things from the ground up. Draw from Final Fantasy Tactics. Bring in the arithmetician. Yo, isn't the arithmetician close to astrologian or no yeah, i think maybe. that was an or there was an astrologer job i think in yeah tactics it was uh, like the oracle which might have been like that yeah yeah um, yeah <laughs> ask me to remember all the fucking jobs in, in <laughs> Final Fantasy tactics there's like 25 of them or something like that yeah. just in that one game <laughs> yeah which i played last when i was 10 years old right uh, uh <laughs> they haven't put in like and they have not like made that game easy to play necessarily. At all, like, I th- yeah. yeah. Unless you, uh, you know, allegedly, 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 use uh, other means. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. and uh, when I think about like the Criterion and Variant dungeons, where they have these are so these are new types of dungeons that have multiple paths, and you know, fourteen being an MO, it has to. Its main story quest has to be pretty linear because they have to pull you in a, a specific direction to progress. And I, I thought about this a lot, and I think a lot of the community has been saying, like, yo, and Walker was incredible. It's the best, or like, it's like the, it was an incredible way to kind of cap off this era of Final Fantasy XIV. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that probably need to change at this point because um, it, it has been following a, a, a pretty similar formula for a while now. And I think dungeons are one aspect where I like I like dungeons and I really enjoy, especially the big thematic ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, really, really help flesh out and contextualize the main story. You know, like Smileton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Smileton's so cute, though. Oh, my I God. love Smileton. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I genuinely love Smileton. <laughs> I, it's the when you come into Smileton and you look down, it's like, oh, the moon is hollow and it's just full of fucking bunny people making weird giant carrots and stuff like that in these with like, their 3D printer. <laughs> With their 3D printer and this big fucking thing and you get zipped through the big MC Escher painting the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is really cool. It has nothing to do with anything in terms of story. It's a, it's a big goof, but it looks cool as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that that is a, a genuine explanation of what this dungeon is. So if you don't play 14, you listen to this, you're like, what the fuck is this game? Trust me, we, there, are, there are like a hundred things we can reference and you're going to be like, yo, what the fuck is Final Fantasy 14? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but I think the formula of dungeons have been very predictable since, I mean, since A Realm Reborn. Uh, like you, and since since they've kind of revamped some of the older dungeons from Realm Reborn, they've been in line with how the dungeons are designed now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, you pull mobs, you fight a boss. Pull mobs, fight a boss. Pull mobs, you fight the final boss. And uh, it's been like the pulling the mobs, regardless of how those different those enemies are. It is the same kind of uh, the same. You go through the same motions where. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Let me tell you, as a tank, it's a, yeah. it's, gets real samey real fast. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to smash the the one, the two button combo for AOE that I have down, up, down, up, down, up over and over again. Move on to the next one. And then like somebody will yell at me because I put you and you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because you're either if you don't pull, if you pull all the mobs. 
everybody's like, why'd you pull so many fucking mobs? I don't know what I'm doing. Or if you don't pull <laughs> enough mobs, somebody's like, hey, hurry the fuck up and pull more mobs. And it's just like, Argh! so I just check for the sprout now. If I see a sprout, I do not multi-pull. I do yeah. not I do not uh, do the, the, the hero pulls. I just take it slow and I go forward. If I don't see any sprouts, I'm like, okay, you know what you're doing. You know how to handle this. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to level up some of my tanks. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm mostly a DPS player and sometimes I play healer, but tank is probably the one I have the least amount of experience in. And when you are leveling up and you kind of do some of the earlier dungeons, healers and tanks don't necessarily have a full kit and they don't have the skills necessary to do wall to wall pulls. So I don't have like, if I do uh bright flocks, long stop or uh, yeah. like stone vigil, I think. I don't necessarily have all my mitigation skills and healers yeah. don't have most of their OGCD heals. So I'm here trying to do natural. I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to do a wall to wall pull because I assume everyone's better than me and can take care of me. And yeah. then I'm just like wiping twice. And everyone's like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, oh, my bad, my bad. They're like, use mitigation. I only have one mitigation skill. <laughs> and they're like, mm-hmm. well, don't pull so many mobs. I'm like, shit, you, you know what? You're right. You're right. My, my bad. <laughs> That's on me. Uh, so I never play tank again. Yeah, never again. Yeah. I do like playing Gunbreaker in Dark Knight. Uh, my Gunbreaker is like level 80 something and I'm still leveling up Dark Knight just because I like I like the storyline. I still need yeah, to see it too. through. Um, Some of the yeah. earliest work from um, Ishikawa? Is that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she That's, worked on it? Yeah, she's, uh, f- folks don't know, she's the the lead writer for Shadowbringers and also the lead writer for Endwalker. And one of her early projects was the Dark Knight storyline. So if you haven't played it, you want to see the early seeds of her work, uh, at least in 14, play the Dark Knight storyline. And I think parts of the Stormblood MSQ. Yes. We're also like post. It's like the, it's a, no, she did like the, Asm step uh, Kugani stuff or yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think she did some of the, the Asm step uh, quest lines, which okay. were fascinating. Yeah, um, it's still so, probably some of like the coolest world building that they've done yeah. just like to set up like, oh, the Ora like have different like it's a thing that you see when you first boot up a character in the game. It's like, oh, if you want to be a human, there's like this type of human and this type of human. There's like humans that were like from this region of the world. And there's humans that were from this region of the world. And they look different, but that's about it. Um, and then in like the, the, you get that with the Ora and it's like kind of sets up the idea that like the Ora who like live in this part of the world have a completely different culture than the Ora who live in this part of the world. And it's like kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. Um, yeah. And I, I, again, it's another aspect where I think 14 has a lot of room to grow and can explore more things. And I, I hope they kind of keep doing that with things like raids and, um, some of the MSQ, but Yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen. This is the probably the, yeah, like I said, this is the most excited I've been uh, in a while, and that feels really good because uh, you know covering fourteen day in and day out, uh, I've I've kind of struggled with um, my relationship with the game. So mm-hmm. this is actually couples therapy between me and uh, fourteen, and Nier is here. Uh, they're going to help me kind of yeah. work through my problems with my loved one. Final name Final Fantasy 14. I've got um, my clipboard right here, ready to go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh yeah, I just want to say that uh I love my dear 14 very much. Uh but you know, it's been uh sometimes it's a it's a struggle when I have to see you every day. Yeah. And you know, 
I have to write about you every day. Uh, you know, still love I you. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, it's a game that like Yoshida himself has gone out there and say, like, he doesn't expect people to just like sit and play the game every single day. It mm-hmm. is a game that is like for the large for everybody who's not doing savage raids, who is not like going for relic weapon grinds and that sort of stuff, like trying to get a specific mount from Eureka or something like that. You're not trying to go for Ozma or something for people who aren't doing that stuff. It is like meant to be. You check in with the patch, you do the new content, you leave. You come back again, you do some dungeons, you get some tombstones you may, to get your gear up a little bit. You play for a couple weeks and then you come back because they know that they've got you for that subscription. They don't have to keep you playing every single day hoping to pop a loot box or something like that, because, like you know Overwatch or some other game that does something similar because those games are all about just like player retention, player retention, player retention. People have to be playing this game all the time so they ha- because they need to want to buy skins or um, mm-hmm. pre-mode gems or whatever this game is just not that like it's it's a game that is like yeah they they it uses an old business model that is not actually like that common in games anymore very few it's like this and wow are like the big ones even like um you know most of them have gone like free to play like um uh star wars you know went free to play guild wars 2 is still going strong but they did the whole thing of just like no you pay for the game once and you just get it and we'll do microtransactions here and there for other stuff if you want for mounts and whatnot. But Final Fantasy XIV still has all that stuff, but it's like very, very downplayed compared to the rest of it because they can just like keep on working on the thing that they have because the income is there. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that position of like, well, now I have to write about this game that is not designed to be played necessarily that way and you have to write about it every day and every week, I, I totally get it. I mean, I used to have to do that with Dota back when I worked for Red Bull and just yeah. be like, yeah, I don't know. Played more Dota today. <laughs> There's not much else going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so w- when these new content drops come around, it, g- it gets me genuinely genuinely excited. Also kind of nervous, mm-hmm. but like, um, mm-hmm. I almost like dread uh, content drops, whereas I used to be like on the edge of my seat, like super excited about it. Now I'm still very excited, but I'm also like, ah, oh, fuck. Like that means, okay, that means new gear, uh, new tombstones, which means uh, guides for... Um, how to farm tombstones and uh, another guy for how you can uh, what you need to buy with them fuck okay there's a new unreal trial shit i don't really do unreal trials should we have a guide for that like it you're my mind's running at 100 miles per hour thinking about all these other things that i didn't used to have to think about um but it's cool it's cool because it's an area that i'm very comfortable with so at least there's that Uh, but it has changed my relationship to the game quite a bit um, but yeah, what I'm, what I'm saying is, Michael, that you just need to get into another game to play when you don't have other stuff to be doing. Uh, let me tell you about Warframe. Okay, so the Ooh. Lotus. <laughs> I'm serious. Like you, like we should get some some stuff going on again. I this was me for the first time. Uh, when we when Fanbyte first started, it was like I was holding down the fort on Final Fantasy 14 stuff because I was the only person on staff playing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to get people on the staff to play different games because it's like, listen, this is what we do. We we cover that was my like one of my original pitches for Fanbyte. It was like, this is what we do. Everybody else out there, you know, no offense to GameSpot or whatever, but the GameSpots of the world, they like um, they review a game and they typically move on. Um, yeah. And then they'll do news things about stuff later on, but they don't necessarily like write real in-depth stuff about each individual patch yeah, for a thing. Just, just can't have people. It's rare. The, having people on staff with that kind of institutional right. knowledge is like value added, but it's never ex- explicitly sought after. 
Yeah, it's just a different like the, the business is model is different. Yeah. And the, when we first started this website, it was like very much like, listen, we can see how this is going. Like more and more games are just going to be all about patches and stuff like that. Nobody's covering that stuff. So let's do it. And so I was like trying for a long time to get people to like, listen, Final Fantasy 14 is so good. You have to play it. Yeah. And I was like trying to get Merit. I remember Merit bringing her PS4 with her to E3 that year and playing Final Fantasy 4 uh, for Final Fantasy 14 in her um, Airbnb at the time. And it just happened to work. And I was like trying to get people into Warframe and it just happened to uh, work out so that most of the people at Fanbyte ended up getting way into Destiny. And that was the game most people got into <laughs> until you and Mike and Andrea now and Natalie, of course, like all came on board more like just built in ready. Like, let's go Final Fantasy 14. And now I feel like we've we've got some like drip feeds of people coming in and being like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working my way through a realm reborn. You know, Imran has played a little bit of a realm reborn and it's been cool and fun uh, to mm-hmm. see him try and do that with uh, with his partner. Yeah. But um, more people need to be playing that. But you want to play some Warframe? Listen, you want to play Warframe. Warframe is for real perverts. Warframe is for real sickos, and I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I fuck with Warframe quite a bit through the oh, years. Yeah? yeah, I think um, Mike Mahardy. Oh, shouts, yeah. out to, shouts out to my boy uh, Mike Mahardy. He was he was kind of the one of the first, or actually no, Alessandro Falari, who I used to work with at Gamespot. Uh, my boy also. He was one of the OGs who put me on uh, Warframe because he did some of the coverage. And again, there's another case of where like, uh, there's this Warframe opportunity. Who on staff plays this yeah. game? And he was like, uh, I think maybe I'm the only one who has. So he did a lot of our Warframe coverage. And then uh, Mike Hardy got into it, did some video essays on it. And then I, I was kind of, I tried it out. And Warframe is fascinating. It's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, I just don't like it. It's a different type of impenetrable. Yeah, for because sure. Because you're just like, it, it's in a way that it's different from destiny. Uh, I think people like to make uh, the comparison to destiny to just cause like, Oh, sci-fi space shooter. Yeah. It has RPG elements, but there's so much customization that, and so many different directions you can go with the game that oh, it, yeah. you get kind of like not just choice paralysis, but you're just like, yo, what the fuck are these menus? What does what the shit mean? How much do I need to be worrying about my mods versus my Exilus mods versus my Arcanes? Like, these Arcanes are pain in the ass to get. Do I actually need those? Should I worry about those? Should yeah. I upgrade those? Like, should I sell those? Should what I, am I doing here? Should I use a different frame? or Should I? Ah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, like, what planet do I go to? What is this? What is the side quest series? How do I get to the story? Because, like, that game does not put the story for front and center in your face. But there's, yeah. like, a really deep, involved main story campaign in that game, like, 30 hours in once you get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot. I have a, I have a ton of respect for, for I'll say, Fortnite. <laughs> Warframe. I don't have any respect. Zero respect <laughs> for Fortnite. Ever since I saw LeBron James mm. and Naruto mm-hmm. shooting each other with M16s. While Ariana Grande pulls up and kills them both. Ever since I saw that, I'm like, I have zero respect for Fortnite. I see what you're doing. I know you're getting that money, but fuck y'all. I'm going to try this shit out. I'm going to buy that LeBron James skin. Uh, and now that they have Goku, that Listen. is... Dog, the wildest shit. Okay. Goku came out... Yeah, uh, At the time we're recording this, Goku came out and is now in Fortnite yesterday. Yeah, there's a clip where Goku pulls up with an M16, 
shoots a motherfucker, hits him with a Kamehameha, pulls out a lightsaber, kills them, hits a gritty, and <laughs> uh, or uh, maybe they hit the woe or something. But the, the, it's a gritty. I don't know. I I have this link in front of me as yes. you were talking. I pulled it up because I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yes. And I just dropped it into our chat from uh from one a uh, big furry balls. Uh, on, <laughs> Shouts on out to big furry balls. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, what the fuck is Fortnite? But also, this sounds sounds like a shit post we would have done <laughs> back in like 2017. When they had their first guest character or whatever. And we're like, imagine if Fortnite had Goku with a lightsaber shooting mm-hmm. someone with an M16 and then dabs on him. Well, you know what? That's reality. That's just reality now. That's just that's just the real world. That's meta now. That's like <laughs> that's the actual like best way to kill. Cause like that Kamehameha he throws out is like a one shot. It's yeah, it's like a it's like a charge, like a beam ability, but goddamn. It's uh yeah, it's 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 fucked up. Um, get Goku in Warframe. Get Listen, a Goku okay. frame. Okay, okay. SSGSS no, fucking Warframes. They got the big titty werewolf yeah. first that I I wrote about. That's uh and yeah. There's also yeah. There's like a there's a frame that is like almost like a based in a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a Octavia. rhythm game. Yeah, Octavia. I I remember I I I picked up Octavia and I was like, oh shit, this is this is cool as fuck. Um, so they, there's like a lot of different gameplay nuances with some of the frames uh, there, but also like Warframe just feels really good. Like, yeah. When you go through a mission and you just kind of bullet jump your way through the entire fucking mission and doing like, you know, having the slow-mo shooting uh, your enemies down in slow-mo like bullet time and, and just like barreling through these all these corridors and just like knocking down a mission in like two minutes. It's <laughs> It's what if Max wild. Payne was a wizard is a really good pitch for a video game, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, so, like, yeah, don't don't sleep on Warframe. Like, I think the RPG elements, RPG elements in that game are pretty deep. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you're if you're a super if you're super into like that like min maxing and customizing and if you're just like uh, messing around with numbers, uh, kind of very different vibe from 14, because like 14, you don't care about numbers until the very end game and even then it's more of like i mean like people who like care about parsing and um like are doing savage raids day one that stuff very much matters uh to their success but it's very it's not complex at all it's like which items which which gear pieces do i need and which material do i attach to them that's it that's all there is to kind of figure out the end game gear and 14 warframe on the other hand Yo, you want to bust out the calculator? You want to mess around with some numbers? You want to mm-hmm. do math? Ooh, Warframe's got numbers on decky, son. That is uh so if you want to get into that, that's I have a lot of respect for uh for Warframe. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. <sighs> I got a lot of respect for Final Fantasy 14 too, though. I don't know. Aww. I got a lot of respect for a lot of video games right now. Yeah. And that's the problem. I got too many. I got Monster Hunter, I've got Warframe, I've got Final Fantasy 14 to play. Yeah. I keep wanting to check out like this is a stupid sentence to say. I keep wanting to check out Fallout 76 again. I don't mm. know why. I'm just that fucking is, glutton. <laughs> that is a stupid sentence, but, yeah. but no. <laughs> no, so Fallout 76 like I do not fuck with that game at all. Mm-hmm. I I know that it's um I know that it's improved a lot, but I think the core of that game is still, you know. Res- That's just it. Yeah, 
Yeah. I keep going. I have. So the thing about Final 76 is I have gone back and I, I at the time was like, oh, OK, so they added story. They added all this other stuff. I want to go check that out. And like maybe it's, you know, maybe they maybe they ironed out some of those bugs. You know how it is with Bethesda games. Sometimes they do that. But what actually caused it to happen, I was like really jonesing for a new Fallout game. And I played four. and I'm just like, God, four is not good either. And we just <laughs> kind of forget that because Final 76 was so bad. But four was just not good. Uh, and yeah. I was like, well, I need I need to get that that hit somewhere a little bit. So I tried Fallout 76 and I was like and I booted it up after they had added all that story stuff. And was like, this still feels janky as fuck. Like, what is this? Like, what am I doing here? Like, there's a bug in here. And it was like, I I can't. I found my first settlement area or whatever that I can claim or whatever. And it just won't work. And I like looked it up and it was like there was a forum post from the day the game launched saying that same bug. And it's just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) They like they did this, but it, Fallout 76 is in that same boat of like, or or could have been in that same boat as Final Fantasy 14 and No Man's Sky, another game I play pretty oh, religiously yeah. these days. Uh, uh. Oh, so fucking good. But of like, it, rough launch, but they kept at it forever. And it's like, what happens, Fallout 76 is a perfect example of like, what if we kept at it forever, but didn't want to spend a lot of money yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's just so, it feels like they, they're trying to have that renaissance or tried to have that renaissance and just fell on their face about it. Mm. And I like remember messaging like my friend Cass Marshall over at Polygon. It's like, hey, how do I improve the frame rate in this game? <laughs> like, this game is like, it, sometimes it runs fine and sometimes it doesn't. And I've like, doesn't matter what I set the settings to. And Cass's response was so funny to me. Uh, they said, Fallout 76 is like a wounded dog <laughs> or it's like a three-legged dog. Uh, it's doing its best and you just have to not <laughs> think too hard about it. Oh, no, I, I feel like, well, so I did, I played the early days of uh, 76 and I was like, okay, this is not for me. Yeah. I did a interview with uh, the devs uh, last year. Actually, it was like one of the last things I, one of the, we did like our summer games project uh, at, uh, at GameSpot. So I interviewed a bunch of devs and included, it was uh, the fallout 76 folks. And they had, at least for me, like I did a bunch of research beforehand and I talked to them for that interview, of course. And they had come a long way in terms of kind of rebuilding what that game was supposed to be. And it's and it's very much a No Man's Sky situation where, it, you know, No Man's Sky was at first it was just like you are alone in space and maybe you'll run into somebody. But, you know, fucking whatever. It's uh, it's you make your own fun. And yeah. Fallout 76 was very much like that, too, where it's here's an instant zone. Maybe you'll run into someone and that's exciting. But otherwise make your own fun. And then everyone was like, yo, this, this ain't it. And they went back and there's a lot of story stuff. There's a lot of uh, fallout lore built into that. I know they were, they had a story about, you know, that goes deeper into the brotherhood of steel. Yeah. And uh, they have, they added, I don't know. They, they already add the pit. I know that they were, that was one of the things we were talking about. Um, no, I don't think it's in yet. Okay. Cause they had teased uh, adding the pit. Yeah. Um, so they're like pulling from, a wealth of previous fallout stuff and incorporating that into 76 and yeah, it's, and then like adding like different things you could do with, uh, uh, power suits and also shit. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it seemed like, and th- they were saying like, yeah, th- there's because of game pass, a lot of people are playing this game. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and to me, it's maybe like just, Hey, what's, what's a, 
uh, like a, a, a live service game that I could play on game pass. And yeah. It's like, well, mm-hmm. there's fallout 76. And if, uh, so I, I think they, they've established, they got a healthy player base. And that was one of the topics of that conversation last year was like, Hey, you know, you have a healthy player base now. They're like, yeah, yeah, we have more than enough people playing it that we can just like continue adding content. And it makes sense for us to do those sorts of things. Um, I just, you know, it's just not necessarily my jam though. Yeah. Yeah. I actually will say to the story, just credit like a lot of, I do remember reading a lot of the like in-game terminals and that's that one. And like, Oh, there's some like really cool side stuff in here. I don't necessarily care about the like, scorch plague or whatever it was called but like a lot of the stuff about like you know there's like because it's set in west virginia there's like cool stuff in there about like um uh from the past before the bombs fell stuff about like union busting and like how the government the u.s government brought in like troops to go kill a bunch of like mining unions and stuff which is stuff that happened in real life as well Mm -hmm. in the united states um in that region and then they like put their fallout spin on it and stuff like that it's like oh that's cool that you that you address that and make that part of the the narrative here like that is more fallout e than i feel like fallout has been in a little while so and i've heard other people say that there's a lot of really good stuff on the side like that too but like, mm-hmm. yeah, like like you said, it's just not necessarily for me. Even, yeah. I've tried. I've really tried. Yeah. So that's uh, live service games. Live service they, games. They out here. There's also a lot of great non-live service games of recent. Yeah. Uh, the so hell else came out? You played Soul Hackers too. I could talk about well, the preview period because I, I've. Yeah, I played, sure. I played a little bit more past the preview, but I don't think my feelings haven't changed is what I'll say. Um, so yeah, it's just, damn, it's disappointing. It's a bummer, huh? It's a bummer, especially, yeah. Come, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really talked about, I, well, I, cause I haven't been on a fanbite podcast in a while, but I've talked yeah. about it, um, a little bit on the game informer podcast I was on. Nier and I are both kind of, uh, persona and Shin Megami Tensei perverts. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you will. So soul hackers too. So it's an offshoot of uh, mainline Shin Megami Tensei uh, in the Devil Summoner branch of SMT. And Devil Summoner branch is fascinating. So if you played the Raido Kuzunoha games from back in the PS2 era, or if you played the original Soul Hackers from the Saturn days, which also got released on the 3DS, then this is kind of continuing that lineage in a way. But it eh, doesn't doesn't really feel like it does continue that lineage not that it had to but coming it's a off weird of, lineage to continue because like yeah. who remembers those games you know yeah so they can work with a clean slate which is cool because the soul hackers theme what makes it different from the rest of the smt uh lineage is that it's sci-fi cyberpunk uh spin on the devil summoning and demon the whole you know we live in a world where people can summon and control demons and that's such a cool mix uh that you have like this contrast between the supernatural and high tech uh, futuristic world and kind of the problems that come with with that. So I think it's, it's a fascinating mix. They just don't do anything with it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's coming off hot off of SMT five, which I absolutely loved from last year. I'm like, Oh shit, yo, SMT is going to have like kind of this revival. Um, that's how I feel like, especially if you're going to bring back this kind of obscure branch of the franchise back it seemed like, oh, wow, you know, that'd be really cool if Soul Hackers is really good. We had a great mainline SMT game. You know, what if we have 
Devil Survivor comeback or Digital Devil Saga comeback. Digital Devil Saga, please. Well, I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another game I want to talk about. Um, So I won't spend too much time talking about Soul Hackers 2 because the the more I've been playing Soul Hackers 2, the more I'm like, damn, I really wish I I was playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer. Like the, and I, I think a lot about why SMT and Persona hit so hard for me and why soul hackers just isn't doing it and i think i said this before is that soul hackers 2 feels like a script i wrote in high school mm. it's 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 i wouldn't say it's written it's not written poorly it's just it's very rudimentary and it just feels so basic it, it, you can see the seeds of something good out of it but it really it felt like, it feels like a first draft of a story and it doesn't really, it doesn't, there's nothing necessarily that draws you in about the yeah. characters. And I, I feel like they, tr- you could see the game trying very hard to establish these personalities, but it does feel written. Like it's someone's uh high school, like a high school play or something. Um, yeah, it's there's just, something, there's something about it. That's just kind of like somebody was given the mandate when you're bringing soul hackers back and gave it to somebody who was like, why? And <laughs> they're like, I don't know. It's a, it's another brand. It's another Shin Megami Tensei brand. We have make it look more like the pr- popular Shin Megami Tensei games, make it look more like persona five. Yeah. And so it kind of has a, a vaguely persona five, like um, sort of cell shading to it and stuff like that. And then like, they weren't really given any other direction to go with it in terms of like, what is the hook here that makes this different? Like you think about like Shin Megami Tensei strange journey. That's like, Oh, it's Etrian Odyssey, but it's a, in the Shin Megami Tensei universe. That's cool. I love, I love the dungeon crawling. It's like hardcore dungeon crawling with like exploration and map making and puzzles and stuff like that. Or you think about like, obviously persona is like the, the thing about the, Dating sim stuff. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five is just like we're gonna zero in real hard on the combat and just make the combat as like brutal and challenging and interesting as possible. And then you know all these different ones have these different things. Devil Summoner, Raidu Kuzunaha games were like Pokemon games, which were cool. Yeah. And this one just doesn't feel like it has an identity. Yeah, a thousand percent. And it's it, it it's disappointing because you could see potential in it. Like when you walk around some of the hub areas and you look at the backgrounds and like kind of they're dazzling and you're like, wow, I want to explore this city. But your hub areas are just like really small pieces that of like just really small areas you only go to, to visit vendors and that's it. So there's no real exploration. And let me tell you about the dungeon design. Holy shit. These are (laughs) some of, I hate to say this, like, but this is, these are some of the most uninspired, dungeons i've ever seen in a smt game um like i think about so here's there's the there's this piece of the game called the soul matrix where the more you like kind of level up your like throughout the story you level up your uh, attachment to the various party members and you go to the soul matrix which is this kind of uh, in not infinite floors, but they're just like f- dungeon floors that open up as you as you level up with your different uh, social standing with the different characters. And the point is that the deeper you get into the dungeon, the more you learn about the characters, and the more that you, more abilities you unlock for them. That sounds cool, but if you actually go into the Soul Matrix and start exploring these dungeons, they're just like plain laid out mazes with no 
design inspiration at all. You're just like, it looks like you're in a cyberscape that looks like PS2 memory card loading blocks. <laughs> and you just walk along a path uh. and you just like kind of, you fight demons that just randomly pop up in the area. And it's it's a slog. I remember when it was like, hey, you have new floors opened up in the Soul Matrix. I'm like, damn, don't tell me that. Because uh, <laughs> that that is also our primary way to level up. This game can get pretty hard if you're under leveled, but the Soul Matrix is kind of filler content where you can get new demons and level up more. Um, and it's like, unless I want to put I play on normal, unless you put on easy, you can't just mainline the main story and forget about the Soul Matrix. And plus, like I want to see what this game has to offer, so I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm I'm in like I'm deeper into the game and it hasn't like it, you play the early hours like, OK, maybe they're just, you know, maybe this just starts out slow. And there are some games that I really love where I'm like, you know, after 10, 15 hours, then it, it quote unquote gets oh, good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. JRPGs can be like that sometimes. Like they love to have a lot of setup. I mean, yeah. I think Xenoblade will get to in a minute here. But yeah, yeah. same and, way. But the thing is, and even in those early hours, there's something to draw you in. There's a they give you a reason to be like, hey, listen, here's a hook. Like when I think about Persona 5 and I, I was sold on Persona 5 from the get go. Uh, but that opening where they give you the in media res start for the casino heist, you're like, oh, shit, this game is cool. This is a cool <laughs> ass game. Uh-huh. And then like the immediate setup with uh, Joker getting arrested and kind of having the flashback of why he got arrested. And then you have the whole kind of flashbacks and the like bouncing between him and being in the interrogation room. There's like, that's a, that is a tremendous hook. Um, so even when you're going through the motions of early school life and where Morgan is kind of constantly like, telling you to go to sleep and then this is how you do dungeons this is how dungeons work it's like okay i see what you're doing here but damn am i excited for this game to open up because i want to get to that cool shit that they've been teasing soul hackers it like you (laughs) i i think i described it to someone uh soul hackers feels like a person trying is trying to tell you the story about people you don't know Mm. and you have no context for who they are so I'm just like, who are these people and why do I care about the story? Um, and yeah, it's just it's just, uh, the only other way I could describe it. It's just like it just tries too hard to make these characters interesting. And it's just it's not it's just not hitting the right notes. And like it doesn't the, the combat system is cool. But other than that, I don't think there's much else to kind of draw me in. And it sucks because. These are adult characters who have adult problems. And I kind of like that. Like SMT is adult in the sense that it's just very, it's dark and violent. And it has a lot to do with uh, evil shit happening in in a post-apocalyptic world. Persona is still very mature in that way, but it is centered around, you know, these coming of age stories of uh, young adults or uh characters in their late teens kind of making their mark on the world. Whereas soul hackers like, Hey, these are adult characters who have relationships and, um, you know, are in, embedded in a, in a, in a world of crime. And 
that just sounds really cool on paper but if you actually jump to it it's just not that interesting so yeah sorry you know a game that is interesting yes Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Ooh. a game I have not had as much time to... I talked about it a little bit on Channel F this week, mm-hmm. but I talked about it with people who've never played a Xenoblade Chronicles game before and who didn't know what I was talking about and they hadn't played this one. Now I want to mm-hmm. talk about it with somebody who is on my same bullshit. Yes. Let's go. This game is good. Ah, how, how, long, how, far, how far along are you? I'm not nearly far enough because I went back and played all the way through Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. Um, which I had never beaten. I always got like 75% of the way through. I was like literally on like chapter eight or seven out of 10 mm-hmm. in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. The other one, the Xenoblade Chronicles 1, and I'm going to play the the epilogue thing, Future Connected from the Switch version of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 as well. So mm-hmm. I went back and I only started three la- late last week, like Friday or something like that, I think. Um, so I'm, at the, I'm past the part where, you know, we know what's going on kind of. But I know that there's more to learn still. Uh, you know, I'm at the stage where I'm starting to liberate colonies. I know about Mobius. Um, I've fought a, a number of consoles, that sort of stuff. I've um, got two of the hero characters on my side um, mm-hmm. right now. I've got the the healer boy uh, who loves his sweet little mecha. And I've got um, Colony 9 guy who's like the paladin, uh, Final uh-huh. Fantasy 14 paladin. Yeah. Oh, Uh I'm not I'm, I'm I'm you're further along than I am. Oh, am I? OK, cool. Yeah, I've only played about three hours because I I've just been uh, catching up on 14 playing Soul Hagers 2, like I said, and I've been playing fighting games and uh, been I went to Evo, so I haven't had uh, much right, time yeah. to uh, You've been traveling. Yeah, I've been do, do, kind of doing a lot and uh, spending my weekends with a bunch of uh, people. So it's cool. But I just haven't had time to sink into Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, <laughs> another 120 hour yeah. JRPG in your uh, life. Yeah, yeah. My homie Jake Decker uh, from Gamespot, he reviewed it for Gamespot, and he's he was kind of he's been like, kind of like the the Xenoblade uh, nerd around the mm. block, and yeah, he's he's been telling me I've been ta- talking to him like yeah I'm I'm super into it, uh, and I recently started up Xenoblade Chronicles one. Mm, uh, mm-hmm earlier this year to kind of get ready for three. And I, I do like one a lot. And I think that the, the vast improvements in gameplay in three are very apparent. Um, it's, yeah, it's a ton of fun to play. And I think like the, I don't know if y'all have talked about it on previous episodes, but just like the gameplay setup is, you know, closer to an MMORPG where you have auto attacks and it's a matter of firing off skills that are on cooldown. Yeah. And there's a lot of positionals. So jumping into Xenoblade Chronicles as a, Final Fantasy 14 player <laughs> was like, oh shit, I get it. Like from the jump, I was like, oh, one tutorial. I was like, oh, I know exactly. This guy's how. a monk. This guy's a dragoon. Yeah. You know, this is this is a, your tank who has uh-huh. to pull aggro. And as long as they hit their hit their aggro abilities, you shouldn't be attacked or whatever. So it's like, oh shit, this makes perfect sense. And your party composition is like, hey, you have tank, healer, and DPS characters. Like, oh, okay. Speak my mm-hmm. language. So I think uh, it's yeah, it's it's cool that this is a like Xenoblade has carved out its own like you don't see this type of gameplay from any other kind of RPG in no. its space. Probably so, the closest thing is maybe like Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah, g- which g- is gam- like yeah, yeah, game systems like similar. Fifteen years ago now or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like it's been a while. Yeah, um, so I, I like it from a gameplay perspective, but I uh, I talked a little bit about this on the Bombcast that. Um, 
like Xenoblade Chronicles 3, at least in the early hours, then its setup is like 1000% my shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it, it, it takes itself a little bit uh, more serious, at least from uh, like the other, like at least from one and two from the oh, jump. from two compared to two, which two has the fucking like the the Furby who talks like Jar Jar Binks that has a sex robot made. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. Uh, that is. I think how it has been phrased before. That is not made up. <laughs> there is pulling from actual source material from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, so yeah, it was really exciting to see this game take itself more seriously. And I think it's really getting the tone right where, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, it, it doesn't have to explicitly explain everything too. It does it in a lot of like the mannerisms and kind of the, the, the body language of its characters. So yeah, from like, so lands in uni. Uh, so the main character, Noah, uh, and lands and uni are kind of this, and there's other characters around them are kind of like the, the squad. They're, they're, they're three of the six main characters that you uh, kind of get in the game. So they're, they're, they're at the start. And the setup is that, you know, the world of Ionios is embedded in this war and people survive off of killing one another. You, you basically consume their life force to sustain you. And it's just like this really fucked up concept of a world and everyone who lives in that world just kind of accept it, accepts it because that's all they've known. That's all they've yeah. grown up. And like these kind of child soldiers, like I'm, I'm sure you're going to, I'll learn more about the the nature of that, but they're like, they have 10 years to live from year one. They're trained to be killers. They're trained in a military camp and their only job is to fight in a war to feed the flame clock, which is kind of this resource of life force that sustains yeah. everyone and keeps everyone alive. They're and grinding XP by killing other people. Which <laughs> yeah. Is like it, it's wild. Cause it's like the game is in conversation with the fact that like it uses terms like attacker, defender, healer for you, the player like DPS, like, like an MMO, but mm-hmm. the characters in the world also know it. They have been like taught to view human life as like basically a big video game. And that's like can't canonical in the world. Yeah. And yeah, it's so it establishes that straight up and it's just this very bleak and dire world. But so the main character, Noah, you could tell that he's thinking to himself like, damn, this shit is fucked up. Why do things have to be this way? And I think the, so these, I mean, they're not, they're not 10 years old, but they, they live 10 years so by the time they're 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 adults by the time they reach like their ninth and ten year of service. And in that world, once you make it to year 10, you are sacrificed to ascend to heaven, basically. Um, and there's one character, side character, who's very excited that he's coming up on his 10th year. Just one and, day before retirement. Yeah, and 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 lands and uni are like, wow, I'm so proud of you. It's gonna be incredible. Uh, and then they're like, yeah, can you, can you be at my ceremony? Like, yeah, we'll definitely be there. And then Noah's just like staring off in the distance, thinking to himself, like, why, why does shit have to, why should it be like this? Yeah. Why do we have to only live 10 years? Why are we constantly trained to kill one another? Like, why does it ha- do things have to be this way? And you could tell that, that that's what he's thinking in a lot of his mannerisms. And he has flashbacks to some of the traumatic experiences that he's had through the years. Um, and I think it just creates this really interesting contrast between the other main characters and the main character. Um, that's really mature. And it kind of like, you know, 
the concept of knowing when your time is up is very fascinating to me. Uh, yeah. So. They literally have like tattoos on them that like count down how long they have left to live basically yeah. at all times. And everybody's like stoked about it because they're trained from birth to be basically be like, yo, like if I make it to my 10th year, that's like nobody does that. That's the best I can ever hope for is to die late, like to not die in combat. That's like yes. the most exciting thing in the world to these people. And Noah. Yeah. Like like you said, like Noah is the one who's just like, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, seems bad. Yeah. Um, but it, it like they you're right about like they don't like beat you over the head with like how the world building and stuff like that but it's so good in some ways about like there's a couple of things there's two things in particular one of which i talked about on channel f which is that like every time it does the assassin's creed slash the ghost of tsushima slash every open world game in the world now thing of like you go around there's points of interest on a map you go to those points of interest you go collect a thing then you go clear up bandit camps or whatever but the bandit camps in this in this game aren't really like bandit camps they're these colonies of other soldiers that are basically um like trapped in this eternal war so you can go and start liberating them over time and when you do that you get like extensive cutscenes between all the different characters like talking about like um hey you can free these people from like from this thing but they've literally only ever known this their entire lives just because you free them and give them like freedom of choice to not have to fight like you're not they're not necessarily going to thank you for it because a lot of those people have been bred to hate this other faction that they're fighting literally since the moment that they existed and so it's like you know early on you liberate one of these camps and it's like a guy comes up and talks to your squad that has people from the other faction in it and he's got like a bandana like covered in blood and then with a big bullet hole in it it's like this belonged to my friend you guys fucking shot him in the head like like i don't like you guys just because you came in and, and cleared this shit out like fuck you And there's like this whole system of like finding out rumors and picking up things for them and stuff like that. And like going and discussing things with your squad, almost like Persona 5, actually, like when you Mm -hmm. um, plan a heist in that game of like, hey, I heard that they need food. Hey, I heard that they need water. Hey, I heard that like their priest who sends people off, you know, to the afterlife is not doing his job or like, why is that? Well, let's figure that out because we can know how to do that, but we can't be around and do it for them forever. And so like you're it doesn't just go like you just like flip the icon from red to blue. Yeah. It's like you go in and you do that. And then it's like, no, there's more to do here. And there's going to be a lot of context for it and character context. And you'll get people who join your squad as like hero characters who are basically just like special characters that like don't, you can't change their class. Like they're locked into whatever class they come as. And then you can learn their class from them and teach it to every other unit in your squad. Um, Another cool world building thing of just that really made me think about like, digital devil saga but besides the whole like kids you know or or young people fighting each other in war it's just like there's a moment where they're like early on one of the first things that they're told to do is like you need to get to this city like this is the this is important like you guys are have figured out the truth of this world what the fuck is going on you need to get to the go to the big sword that is sticking out of the ground that's the size of a mountain there's a city there and you can do it and they're like okay i guess we'll go to this city because this dying man's wish was to send us to this city and then, like, there's a conversation they have later where somebody's like, yo, but what's a city? <laughs> and they're like, I thought it was a person. <laughs> yeah, I thought it yeah. was blah, 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 you know, because they've never heard of the, what a city is before. And it's like, 
you know, hours into this game and it's just revealing in this very subtle way that's like just how indoctrinated they are into the particular mm-hmm. worldview of what they are, like that they don't even know like very basic stuff that we take for granted. We hear this JRPG MacGuffin and we're like, oh, okay, that's, that makes sense. And not until like you get to the first like one of those big like camp liberation type things, co- colony liberation types things, do you realize like, oh, this is a big deal for them. They're acting purely on faith here because they have nowhere else to go. They have no idea what they're even looking for. Mm-hmm. yeah damn oh so oh, good because cool like game. and i think now now that i now that we're talking about it, i think the contrast between soul haggers 2 and xenoblade chronicles 3 in the in how it's written that xenoblade chronicles 3 it feels like these are feel like genuine natural human conversations that characters are having yeah and i just like one subtle thing is i'm like there's minor cutscene where lands is talking about how how he's going to like I'm going to lead the charge and I'm going to be an honorable hero and then Noah interrupts him mid sentence and says Lance relax like this isn't about being a hero and Lance is like damn man like I was just like I was just fucking around and then just keep keep moving on and it felt like this very natural thing that would happen in like a real in a real world whereas like Soul Hackers too it feels like these very stilted and co- they don't feel like conversations that people would have. It feels more like a game explaining something to me. Um, and I just think, and your example, especially where the game doesn't stop you and say, hey, by the way, so this is how these characters understand this world. Right. Well, let's explain why. Let's take time to or make the characters explain very plainly about why this is what it is. Rather, the game embeds that in the dialogue and you just get it like from one line of dialogue you just get it like oh these characters don't know about that thing and it says a lot about who they are and what this how how they live their lives and it's just yeah it's i, I love that shit uh, <sighs> so yeah Zimbabwe chronicles 3 oh i know we're supposed to wrap up soon yeah but what? I haven't been able to talk to you about I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Have you finished it? I need to play game? more of it. I have not finished uh, it yet. Oh, but it's so good. Speaking of another game that has incredible writing and just yeah. really oh. good dialogue. Uh, how far How far are you? Just I'm, I'm not I'm not far enough. I'm, um, you know, the, the fucking weirdo doctor um in yes like, uh with the sneakers yeah um, i'm dealing with him <laughs> <He's>, okay <laughs> that's the thing that stands out to me about <laughs> yeah, i know exactly what you're he talking about those big fucking sneakers yeah he's like he looks like a hype beast um, yeah like a too, too too old to be dressed the way he is um like okay I'm, yeah I'm dealing with that stuff still okay but, so yeah that's, that's oh i've seen you tweet about it and i want like, i need to meet these characters and it's just like yeah. i love that first game i really love the first oh yeah uh, i AI. was i i liked i liked the first game i had a lot of problems yeah. with it but this, I think this Nirvana initiative is like just knocks out of the park. I love mm-hmm. talk about a game that has incredible voice performances. Yeah. This game is carried by its characterizations and that is huge credit to the voice cast and the voice direction. I just think that like, because it's mostly a visual novel and there's 3d exploration in embedded in points in that story. But I think like for this game to work, it needs to be like written in a very intriguing way, but also it needs to have the the right voice actors. And just across the board, everyone is incredible. 
uh, just really brings these characters to life. I love Ryuki and Tama. They have such a great, and another thing too is having a dynamic. Yeah. Um, like how these characters bounce off of one another. And like Mizuki from the first game, who is now an even more important character in the story. Oh, Mizuki fucking kicks ass. Oh, dude, Mizuki. Mizuki rules. Uh, and so you have these new characters who are already like right off the bat. I'm from hour one. I love Ryuki. That is my boy. And I love Tama. That's my girl. And then you have the other like story split in two. And then it's like, oh, but I also get to play as Mizuki. Like, holy shit. This is uh, it's I've never been so hyped off of a game off of a game that's mostly a visual novel. So. Yeah, for sure. Like the the cutscenes and story and when they do action in these games is like actually like really investing and like it's wild too because it's like you, we talk about like naturalistic dialogue and stuff. There's nothing naturalistic about the dialogue in AI the Somnium Files games, yeah. but it's like it knows that that's not the case and it like pushes for it. It like just pushes mm-hmm. harder and harder and commits to that because like, I, th- I think it was like Madovsky article is a very good Twitter uh, account that people should follow, but it was like talking about Kotaro uh, Uchikoshi who's the lead yeah. writer on these games um, is like pushing 50 and he's probably has like a better understanding of like, shit posting and internet talk (laughs) than most other people in his field because it's just like you'll be having a conversation like you do the thing that you do in a lot of these games where it's like i'm gonna click on everything and see if anything shakes out Uh and a lot of times you do that in games and it's like it's a chair it's a hat you know or there's nothing to click on at all but then in this game and in the the previous one you can have like these entire exchanges where um your detective character whichever one you're playing mizuki or uh ryuki yeah ryuki um they will talk to their like little AI partners and be like, Hey, let's talk about like the history of salt and like salt <laughs> as a seasoning for the next like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's yeah. like and the, your character will just like, you know, the AI will give you like a ration of shit and it's like really funny. Like the characters are just totally wild. At some point a five nights at Freddy's looking motherfucker shows up and everybody's just chill with him. He looks like yeah. a, a Freddy Fazbear with just like this huge muscle bound Jason Voorhees guy, but with a big teddy bear head that looks creepy. And he talks and he's like, hey guys what's up <laughs> like how are you doing <laughs> and he's yeah. just like a nice diner owner <laughs> yeah he's like a super sweet guy who's a really good cook um yeah and they they that game does a lot of legwork in giving all these characters um really interesting backstories that matter to mm-hmm. the whole context of the story so it never feels like this game never feels like it's meandering and I go go into this knowing that everything that I pull from these characters is going to matter in some regard and it yeah. ends up and it ends, ends up being the case and that that's really cool so by the time I finish it it feels very whole like oh I know everything about all of these characters and it all tied together by the end so it doesn't feel like any kind of w- wasted time like I spent like 25 hours playing this game cuz I wanted to see everything and by the end of it I was like man oh I wish there was more yeah um, that's how lot- I feel at the end of any of his games too I felt that way about 999 oh, yeah, which yeah. is less reward too yeah 999 potions <laughs> Shut the uh, fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I Simon Files. Gotta play that. Oh, what an incredible game. My second favorite game of the year. There's just so much to play right now, too. Like, yeah. I, I keep talking about, like, there's not much on my game of the year list. And I'm like, I go down the list and I was like, oh, actually, fucking Norco, yes. I still gotta play uh, Total War, Warhammer 3, fucking uh, Three Hopes. Empires, three, three Hopes. hopes. Is so good. Three damn. Hopes is out this year. God damn. There's just too much. There's always too much, even in the light years. Yeah. Anyway, we should wrap up. We can, yes. we'll, we'll, have to, we'll come back probably next week and talk more stuff, I think. Sure thing. 
All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening to another episode of 99 Potions. We got a lot of conversation out of just two people talking. Hey. And that's that's value. That's free. Yes. Yeah. So you should tell your friends to listen to this podcast as well. Give us a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify, all that all that jazz. You know how it is. You've listened to other podcasts before. There's no way that this is the only podcast you've ever listened to before. You've heard the McElroys or whoever the fuck say this shit 700 times. The McElmores? So, <laughs> the McElmores. <laughs> the McElmore brothers, you know? Oh, huh. uh, boy. Anyway. Anyway, we, we got to get some cash. We got to get some cash. Only got $20 God in our pocket. Damn it. Uh, and you can, uh, you, well, we don't get jack shit if you follow us on Twitter, but do it anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Miriam Strum. Michael, where can people follow you? You can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P. Hyam on Twitter. And you should go to fanbuy.com. That's fanbuy.com. Hit video game website, fanbuy.com. And yeah. go to thelingshow.com for all your Final Fantasy 14 news, features, and guides because 6.2 is about to pop off, baby. Let's get it. Fuck yeah. And you can follow our producer, Paul, at Paulie Mayo on Twitter as well. And we like to end every episode of 99 Potions in the same way over here. Michael, we like to uh, take our guests and sidle on over to the bar, grab a big old potion off of the potion bar that we still haven't really quite worked out why the potions are sold at a bar. But that's how we do it every time. And we give that sucker a big old clink. <laughs>